Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. Uh, and it's your boy, Trav. This. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. I haven't looked up in a, you know two minutes because I was looking at my phone. And I looked up when you started doing the intro and I just saw Zach. And it took everything <laughs> in me not to laugh. Uh, awesome and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar worsty podcast thursday show thursdaysy where we take a look at the oeuvre of a one oscar winner and knower of cinema mr martin scorsese and what are we watching this week zach this week we're watching a letter to elia uh elia i think i wrote that down here to (laughs) elia yes we we always call him elia but we i found out his name elia elia Ilia, 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 Ilia. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Interrupt no, you. no, you're fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Marty directs an intimate and personal documentary about the talented but troubled filmmaker Ilia Kazan. There, I say it right that time. I was hoping yeah. you'd mess it up so I could get a real good blooper reel going, but <laughs> you know, you got the, you know. I'm just waiting for Zach to hop on the cage and give us a frog splash like Jimmy Snuka. There you go. Oh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is everybody's first time watching this film. Yes. It is. Yes, for me. So we are first hazies. Hooray. Woo. And uh, this doesn't have a breakdown of any sort. So well, hold on in. just a second. Oh, uh, holding. I didn't actually look it up. But maybe there was a comment towards the end. Maybe they just meant the whole series of uh, American Masters. But they said a Peabody Award winning. Are they talking yeah, about American they, Masters? This one a, won a Peabody Award, yeah. This, oh. this, this episode. I didn't think it was enough. To, I didn't say anything because I didn't think it was going to get mentioned or brought up. You know. So, But yeah, this episode won a Peabody Award in 2010. Ooh. Oh, very nice. Which I'm going to level with you guys. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Assuming it's, it's, I think it's a journalistic award. Let me look at it. Up. I okay. believe you're correct. Well, you know, Peabody Award. Whatever it is, it won it. So yeah, yay for Marty. George Foster Peabody Award named the American. Uh, <laughs> it honors the most powerful, enlightening, and invigorating stories in television, radio, and online media. There you okay. go. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, this looks like a really good series. Though, what what is it called? Master what? American, American Masters. Masters. American Masters. PBS. Oh, it was also nominated for Outstanding Directing for Nonfiction Programming at the Primetime Emmys. There okay. you go. Brought to you in part by viewers like us. That's right. Hell yeah. Now, maybe it's me. I haven't seen, I haven't watched anything on PBS in a long time, probably since Downton Abbey, to be honest with you. But pbs doesn't really do stuff like this anymore right like these awesome because we're bringing up these awesome documentary series that pbs was doing i'm like dude i think well, I a mean, lot go ahead i was gonna say they still they still do a lot of ken burns stuff well yeah but yeah i'm gonna be honest with you Eh, you know i know ken burns a quote-unquote legend and you know he's been on television for a long time doing his thing but that shit don't interest me to be honest with you Oh, I love I love baseball. I love jazz. Some of it's cool, but yeah, you know. Well, I mean, he's done something on pretty much anything, so you might be able to find something that you like. But Ken the, the war well, is really good. It's really just him. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. You know, I think. He, um, we'll go ahead. 
No, I was just going to shit on him some more. So you, you can go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say with modern PBS, a lot of stuff, as with most networks, I guess, a lot of it's online now. It's not necessarily like on PBS on TV, but they still got like Frontline and, and stuff like that where All right. investigative or yeah. uh, documentary series and things. Yeah. Like that. You know what yeah. I'm feeling when you say that? Boring. <laughs> <laughs> so. Thinking about, um, oh, never mind. I'm not gonna say it. <gasps> but yeah, right. yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk let's about talk this. I got a question. Okay. So, you know, the first 60 minutes is this. Right. And then that last 30 minutes, what was that specifically That's... since it wasn't this? And it's like bonus content. Yeah, it's, it's that's essentially what it is. Is we're getting Marty's love letter to Ilya Kazan and how he inspired him, and then uh, they just did kind of a a little extra thing when you look at the uh, the fact that it was nominated for a primetime Emmy for outstanding directing. It's for mm-hmm. episode a letter to Ilya reflecting on Kazan, so it's including. That he's, as he's already dead at this point, mm-hmm. he's already or, passed yeah. on, right? Okay, I believe so. 2003. So, yeah, okay, all right. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's just a companion piece, little like interview thing that I guess they just wanted to have more people talking nice about him, yeah. Right. And maybe you know, maybe they had the footage that didn't necessarily fit into the documentary or something. Yeah, they yeah. had cool uh <laughs> interviews, you know, Al Pacino yeah. got to talk a little bit and. Like seeing Ellen Burst and yeah, she's yeah. so good. Yeah, she's amazing. I've really enjoyed actually this this documentary piece. I know there's a lot of controversy going into it because I know earlier when the podcast started, he his career is a little bit more prominent, and y'all talked about those years where he was quote unquote ratting out people for the communism mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and situations like that and they they touch on it you know as part of a controversy but it's really just marty separating because i don't know marty's feelings on it he never even states his feelings on it you know which is probably for the for the best but just talking about how important this guy was to his filmmaking his love of film you know not necessarily his style of filmmaking but falling in love with film it really brought me back to the voyage to italy documentary where Mm -hmm. it's just marty again talking about the early his early love of cinema and being a child and going to the cinema and seeing this guy's work and what drew him in at a time where he didn't really know what it was that drew him in but now that he's older he can say this is what drew me in and i really enjoy this because i know nothing about this guy i've never seen a single film any of these films that they talk about I'm a big fan of Ilya as an artist. I think yeah. he's made some of the most incredible pieces of cinema. Uh, go on, Zach. I, uh, as I was watching this, I was really, I was really struck by just how much. Yeah, thankfully, thankful to the podcast for some of the stuff I hadn't seen. I'd seen, you know, like Streetcar. I'd seen On the Waterfront, mm-hmm. but through the podcast, I I saw East of Eden for the first time and. Um, or something else in there too. Gentleman's agreement. Gentleman's agreement. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was starting to realize how many of his films I really loved, and I think Marty 
this presenting is a, a really strong statement on the separation of art from the artist. And I think I agree. I'm as I'm sitting here, I haven't ranked this yet because I'm trying, I'm trying to determine listening to you guys, maybe on my feelings of whether the film, whether this documentary was too kind or if it, if, it, if that's the point, it's like, you know, we are separating, we're talking about it. We're not going in depth about it. You know, he, he was a man who lived with um, the pain of doing this. He isolated himself a lot more in his later years because of the shame. But at the same time, uh, you know, you have people talking about it's hard to judge him for what he did because of maybe pressures that were put on him. Um, who knows what was said? Uh, what he might have been threatened with or something it's hard to know so i'll I'll stop there for a moment oh go on go on Trevor. i was just gonna say the only thing i can 1000 percent fault him on from what i see and i think people still need to take responsibility no matter if they do something at a them being scared for their life or whatever that is what it is you still need to be held accountable for doing what you did to other people but mm -hmm. there's one they talk about a particular instance maybe they talked about it or i read about it where him and his friend were going to turn themselves in at the same time and he pulled the switch on homeboy uh. and then it turned himself in and Ooh. ratted out homeboy when yeah. homeboy turned himself in i don't think and that was there's in no excuse for, like there's just no excuse for that one you know what right. i mean right so yeah. yeah uh i'll say my biggest problem with the way that marty covers this is that we really only get a look at elia's point of view as far as him uh turning states and fucking ratting people out right um because he's like oh Elia was sad and Elia had to make a hard decision and here's a letter that he wrote and he's like oh i had to make such a hard decision and that's the reason it's hard it's because nothing is the right thing it's like okay so instead of instead of being honorable and taking a fall, you're going to ruin other people's lives. Yeah. And not that, not that I think you need to deal too much in it, but well, I would have liked to hear a little more about the people that he turned in and yeah. how yeah. did that affect them? And, you know, when, when you decide to save yourself and throw other people under the bus, I'm more interested in the people that this affects yeah yeah right, the repercussions right. of and it, yeah so for me it's play the play the violin for fucking Elia kazan and <laughs> he could go cry in his goddamn soup i don't care yeah it marty is a little precious with it and that and um, here's what i'll say about marty this this documentary is more about marty than it is about Elia. right 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 this is mm -hmm. this is more about how he was influenced and i mean when Ilya Kazan is turning people into the House on American Activities Committee, Marty's a young man, and right. this isn't something he should think about or care about. Like, or he know, probably doesn't even know about it at the time. Yeah, like, exactly. When it's happening. Yeah, you know, uh, there there are a lot of times I have to catch myself from just 
overtly saying political things around or to directly to my children. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, you know, I, they don't need to care about what's going on in the world right now. It's, yeah. And Marty I, shouldn't have to care about the Red Scare. Right. He was, uh, he was 12 when uh, On the Waterfront came out. So he yeah. wouldn't have been thinking about... He, he was thinking about the movie. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what a 12-year-old needs to think about when they're watching a film like that. Is, wow, this is really well-crafted and these actors are incredible. And, you know, it, this is just a beautiful film that reminds me of the people that I know personally... And that means a lot. And then, you know, he talks about how he goes to NYU and Ely is the only director that ever came to talk to his class. And then he gets a personal friendship with him later in life. So, yeah, he's going to be a little hero worshipy with him. And yeah, it's hard for me to fault Marty for that because we all have the quote unquote problematic faves in our life. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's that's what I was going to bring up is. 99% of the the artists that are like top tier at their craft mm-hmm. are problematic. It's yeah. very few. I think with the new generation of people coming up, Zendaya, Jenny Ortega are two names that come to mind that in 10 years, I feel like they're going to be top build actresses because they're that good. Mm-hmm. But pretty much up until like this new generation – Top build actors and actresses are and directors, they're problematic people. Yeah. And because they're geniuses at what they do, and that usually goes hand in hand with being that incredibly talented with something, is you're right. also that in that in fucked up of a person. Yeah, you that or you got at least got an ego. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we talk about our love for Leo all the time on this podcast, mm-hmm. but it goes without saying. Um, he, he he's gross with the with with the age difference of women that he likes to not calling him a pedophile by any stretch. I'm because I don't think he goes that young, even though people make jokes. Right, but yeah. he's getting older, and they're staying twenty, twenty one, right. twenty two, right. and that's fucking gross. I don't care how you slice it; it's fucking gross. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to keep going that way, most likely. Dude, he's going to be 70, and they're still going to be 20. And they're grown women, and they can make that decision for themselves, sure, but it doesn't make it any less gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, there's there's plenty of people we could keep pointing out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But like you said, everybody can, you know, identify with somebody. And for Marty, it sounds like it was uh, Elia. Am I going to say it right? Elia? and and again, it's like when somebody shapes you so fundamentally right. as a person or as an artist or shows you shows you the mirror that Elia apparently was for Marty. Mm-hmm. It it's it's really hard to shake that person as you get older. They're such a foundation that if you find out something heinous about them and and, and again, I don't know Marty's feelings on this. He could he could be like, fuck them dirty reds. They deserve it. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. He could feel that way. We don't could. know. And, and and if he does, you know, that sucks. But that's the way he feels. I'm not, and again, uh, that's just me speculating. But, <laughs> but, you know, 
learning hard things about the people that you consider heroes sucks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially in these modern times where we continuously keep finding these things about people that we looked up to. And they just (laughs) hit us with the Cuba Gooding, you know, that that hurts. You know, and, and for me, uh, it like Kevin Spacey was, I was going to bring up Kevin Spacey. Too. He was so high on my list of actors I respected and mm-hmm. loved. And I, you know, I was watching every fucking episode of that house of cards. Yeah. Like every single one. I loved that show. And the, the moment that that news dropped on him, I was like, it took me a while. It, he's a guy yeah. who informed a lot of the way that I was as an actor. Mm-hmm. And that hurt. Right. And I don't have the personal relationship with him that Marty has with Elia. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I I do like uh another point that he made, like when he first met him at NYU and he didn't want to go off a fanboy, he's like, sometimes you it's hard to like meet this person who's created this art, but you can't expect them to understand what the art means to you. For sure. And and that's an important message for anybody to understand. It's like like this week, I saw a clip of a uh, Justin Bieber. Maybe some other people saw it. Uh, like he was going into his apartment, and there were there were young women out there. Can I can I get a hug? And they're asking for a hug. And I was really impressed by him, like saying, "Hey, this is my this is my home. You know, I'm I'm glad that you're fans. And but I this is where I want to turn off at the end of the day and go in. You're standing here, and 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 you're projecting this image of what you expect me to be or what you want from me." I'm not going to give you a hug. I'm going to respectfully ask you to go away and leave me alone now because performance time is off. Yeah. And, you know, and I hope I hope those girls respected him enough to remain fans of his while saying, oh, yeah, you know, this yeah. is your personal space and your body and you should be able to choose what you want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It goes hand in hand with the, the dinner table rule where, you know, or in the bathroom, you know, certain places where it's just like, it sucks that that's where you ran into him. Well, for them, they were camping out of his home. But, you know, right. when you run in, let's say you run into fucking Jack Nicholson in the bathroom. Unfortunately for Paul, that really sucks that he got to meet Jack Nicholson in the bathroom where he couldn't really, or shouldn't, because he could <laughs> totally do it, but shouldn't be like, hey, Jack, you know, can I get a picture next to the urinal? You know what I mean? Like, let the man take a shit in peace. You know, and that's, that's a lot of those. Some of the people I have met that mean a lot to me. I, I don't want to say I get starstruck, but I get nervous about like, right. The, what's the appropriate thing to say or yeah, like, the level like of- just, yeah, just the, the, the level of where I put you in my mind and how do I approach a conversation with you when I have so little time to talk to you? Yeah. It's like, have a boiler like a blanket statement. Hi, I'm not going to invade on your private time. Your work means a lot to me. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I I met the the wrestler um, Athena Palmer, formerly Ember Moon, like on the street of Richmond. Hmm. And when I when I approached her, I <laughs> I always open up whenever I meet celebrities. I always open up with a Hey, are you so and so? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I think that's a good approach, but I do. I do it every time. And I'm like, oh, excuse me. Are you, are you Ember Moon? She's like, yeah. And I mean, it's obviously her. You can't miss her. <laughs> right. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, 
But if she would have said, no, I'm not, I would just been like, sorry, I've wasted your time. I will talk to you later, even though I know you are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I wouldn't have said that last part, but I, I said that to her and I was like, hey, we just wanted to say that uh, we're fans and we just wanted to say hi. And, you know, we were prepared to just walk away. And she was like, hey, get your camera out. Let's take this picture now. <laughs> oh, that's dope as shit. <laughs> yep. Yep. But like when I met when I met Mick Foley, I was in an autograph line. Mm-hmm. And I had just watched his show. And Mick Foley's my favorite wrestler of all time. And I, I don't want to say that to him because it feels awkward to be like, hey, you're the whole <laughs> you're like a real big reason of why I continue to watch wrestling through my teenage years. That's that felt awkward to me. So thankfully, um, the head of uh, VCW, George Pantis, decided to tell him for me because we had had a conversation about it earlier <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> Thanks, George. Uh, yeah. No, nope, um, yeah, I feel I, like we haven't even talked about the film. The film. The film. We talked some. <laughs> yeah, we talked the so many so much of it is clips of uh, you know Kazan's films and and Marty talking about them, like you said with the uh, voyage to Italy. Um, but God, yeah, uh, made me appreciate uh, James Dean all over again. Just how good he was, and oh God, yeah, East of Eden and everything that he was in for his brief career. Right. But the, yeah, the film, the, the clips shown are great. And Trav, I would definitely recommend any of these films. I know you don't typically go back and watch a lot of older films. Like the clips that they so happen to show. Yeah. Make you go, man, that looks like a good film. You know, if you're in the film from that particular time era. On, on the waterfront is one of the, finest films ever made yeah and i think that would be right up your alley uh, yeah i think you would i think you would dig that one yeah for sure and if you like that and, and if you if you watch that one you suddenly like i know marty talked about it a lot in this movie but it suddenly becomes like the skeleton key to marty right mm-hmm. like it, it'll remind you so much of one of his films mm-hmm. now it's so funny you know just seeing all the marlon brando clips mm-hmm. and then just seeing just what a piece of shit he became towards the end of yeah. his career, where it's like, I know in the Val documentary, Val Kimmer talked about when he finally got to work with Marlon Brando, and it was just deflating, you know, to he was just god awful. Mm. Well, Not that's... necessarily his acting was god awful, him as a person right. was just god awful. Yeah. That's did you ever see the movie The Score that he Marlon Brando was in with uh, De Niro and Edward Norton. No, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, so the movie was directed by Frank Oz. It was great. Mm -hmm. Frank Oz is amazing. And Frank Oz worked with uh, Brando. No, 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 no. no. Strike that. Anyway, so he works with Brando in this film, and apparently Brando gave Frank Oz so little respect he wouldn't take notes from Frank Oz. (laughs) and frank oz had to give every single note for brando to de niro and de niro had to had to relay every piece of information to brando that is wild that's insanity and it's like that's top tier dicks just a complete fucking asshole yeah yeah i mean then you hear the stories of how he showed up to like apocalypse now and almost like completely derailed that fucking movie. And like, yeah, he, yeah. Other stories that I don't want to get into right now. Right. <laughs> what? 
He also, that's a whole episode in itself, just his family of murderers and all these different, he's got a wild family, you know, so, yeah, you know, but. But uh, back back to this, I'll say my least favorite thing about this is I don't think this, this is long enough. Oh, I definitely think it's long enough. (laughs) I don't need any Uh, more information on this guy. I'm going to be 1000%. And I'll honest with you, at least for the episode, for the kind of documentary that it is. Yeah. And, and it, for it being a literal love letter from Mm -hmm. Scorsese to Kazan, but I mean, he does the Bob Dylan, no direction home just a couple of years ago. And they give him two episodes and four hours on Bob Dylan. (laughs) So I think, uh, you know, if you take what you have, make a, uh, cut the interviews, 20 minutes and add at least 10 minutes of like what you were talking about. What happened to some of these people that he turned in? Yeah. Honestly, I I just don't think that's necessary in this particular, what this is. This isn't about that. Yeah, It's about his films. And I feel like if you just added all that stuff, it just makes the message confusing. Yeah. What, what is this documentary actually about? Yeah. And, and again, this is, Marty talking about art his love for this guy, yeah, and yeah. inspiration yeah. through the lens of Kazan. But I yeah. would love to see some, and maybe there is, um, on the academy at that time, and the not necessarily what he did, but everybody like mm-hmm. a full documentary series on yeah. this is what was going down during this period of time. Yeah, you know, so. I want want to clarify something too. Did they say Kazan started the actor studio, or he started with somebody else? And like he he was one of the founders. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting though. I didn't know that. So that was yeah. Uh, that's well, the way they talk, it seems like he was very well liked and well respected until said incident. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it it definitely seems like, and it's probably information that nobody actually even has because mm-hmm. who was documenting this situation while it was happening probably nobody so who knows what those conversations were had what they did to him behind closed doors not making excuses but just saying to add to the situation of what happened nobody's probably privy to any of that information and has any sort of accurate retelling of it so unfortunately we will probably never get anything except for he said she said stuff but it would that would be interesting stuff just to see all that went down. Yeah. Uh Kazan, Cheryl Crawford, and Robert Lewis started the actor studio. Okay. I was I, I was really interested to find out that he directed the first productions of Streetcar and Death of a Salesman. Hell yeah. That that was I didn't know that. Like the first runs, they said, on Broadway. Yeah, to, and that's significant. Yeah, to to do like the seminal works of Arthur Miller and um, Tennessee Williams. God damn, right. those are two of the greatest playwrights of all time. Well, again, like, they talk about this man as like a genius. Yeah, you know, and, out, outside of that situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's he is uh, he makes incredible films. Would have loved to see his place. This this film definitely made me say, I want to watch more of this guy's films for good or bad you right. know 
Um, it definitely intrigued me enough to say, hey, I would like to check out these movies that I know the names of but have never seen, but know they hold some sort of significance in old Hollywood for being landmark films that are held very prestigious. Yeah. And, of course, just listening to Marty for an hour. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah, so. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's it for me. Uh, the only other note I have is that the uh, voice of Elia Kazan in the episode was Elias Codius, who our generation would probably know the best as Casey Jones from That's the right. old movies. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. You know what's crazy is I've never really seen him in anything outside of being Casey Jones. But when um, what's the vampire movie? that he's in where he plays the cop is it let me in oh the the remake of let the right one in yeah with homeboy that plays nightcrawler yeah yeah yeah. that sounds right is that the movie that he's in that's one of them anyway he plays yeah it is let me in okay um but he plays the cop in it and he like he's he's old He's put on like 40 pounds and he's bald. And when I found out that I was Casey Jones, it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that's Casey Jones. So, so. Uh, while we were doing Drinking Age movies, I had Josh Kahn and CM Alexander from Dairy Public Radio on an App Pupil episode. Uh-huh. And Elias Codius plays an unhoused person who uh, Ian McKellen kills in that film. Okay. Oh yeah. And they kept calling him. Oh god, uh, discount Christopher Maloney. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I was like, no. Uh, the first time I saw Christopher Maloney, I was like, hey, it's discount Elias Codius. <laughs> and they were like, that's that's a wild thing to say. Why would you say that? It's because like, he's fucking Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he was in Cronenberg's Crash too. Yeah, yes, he was. But when I saw Crash, I did it no actors right for right. real you know what i yeah. mean so but yeah well okay all right. american any masters other? pbs yeah any other notes that's it for me all right well let's get into our worsty judgments trap your beer where's this sitting on your thursday rankings all right so your boy ranked this a four star film this was very interesting it held my interest the whole time um mostly because marty's got the voice of an angel you know i could just listen to him literally talk about anything so i have it sitting at my 21st spot right under the last waltz and right in front of the blues hey zach hi there where's the sitting on your thursday's rankings so I really enjoyed this, and like I said uh, earlier, I was watching it, and I I could actively feel myself <laughs> again, for better or worse, sympathizing with Kazan in a way. I was like, because it it really is, like I said, a little precious with him. But as you said, it's Marty's perspective, and I respect that. Um, but I just again, I was realizing how much I loved so many of the films that I'd seen for the first time kind of recently I you know on the waterfront is one that I've had with me for a long time but he is a great filmmaker and uh yeah so I 
I've got this four and a half star at my number 12. Nice. Nice. I like that. I like that. You like that. Behind King of Comedy and uh, just ahead of You Can Count on Me. Uh, as for me, uh, I I just think this this could have been longer. It could have talked a little bit more about Kazan's work outside of the couple of films that Marty continuously brought up. Because mm. I felt like he just kept hitting on like two or three films over and over again. And, you know, again, that's his perspective and that's fine by me. And uh, I don't think it's bad. And I watched the whole thing with rapt attention. I think Marty does tell the story well. I just wanted it a little more fleshed out. And mm -hmm. for me, I gave it three and a half stars and I have it sitting down at my number 43 of 47. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to call it there. Travel, Are let we? people know. Are we? Are we? Are we? Are we? <laughs> Trav, where can people find you on the media's social? That's right. You can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. You can also find me on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd, ranking and rating my daily movie watches. And I watched a Taiwanese film called The Sadness that is Ooh. streaming on Shudder. And holy crap, it was awesome. Um, I'm not saying that you'll enjoy it, and I'm not saying that it's a good film. What I'm saying is it was awesome. And, and it, it made me very entertained while I was watching it. And I highly recommend. I will have to pick that one up. All right. Zach, where can people find you? Find me on Critiker. Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. TikTok House Havoc or Letterboxd by searching my name and Mr. Paul. You can find me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films I watched. And this week, I watched the new Netflix film, Hustle, mm. from Happy Madison Productions. God damn it, Adam Sandler just can act his ass off. And I wish he was doing it a lot more over these past, like, 30 years. Nice. In all fairness, every time he did it before Uncut Gems, people shit on him. So, and it, you know, and it was one of those things that the moment I saw Punch Drunk Love for I the knew. first time, uh -huh. I was like, "Fuck, where's this guy been?" Yeah. See, I didn't like that when it first came out because I was so young, and yeah. I'm like, "This is what the fuck is this?" Out of <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, my and, uh, <laughs> my uh, unnamed people that I know <laughs> hate that movie because they're like, that's not Adam Sandler. Like, how are we telling him what he is? <laughs> you know, and not it's wild to me that it really is an Adam. It, it is fucking Paul Thomas Anderson doing an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and he is very much an Adam Sandler character just in a Paul Thomas Anderson setting. Yeah. It's so weird how well that works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're 1000% right on that whole entire Senate. <laughs> it legitimately is an Adam Sandler movie. Just Paul Thomas Anderson doing it. It's like, yeah. Hey, what if, uh, what if an Adam Sandler movie had like actual themes and good cinematography? <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, um, no, I think I've mentioned this before, and it's a, a silly gripe, but you know, I loved Rain Over Me until he's yelling in the courtroom and in the silly Adam Sandler voice comes out, and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh no. I'm the same I, way. I like the Adam Sandler silly voice because it usually happens in movies when he becomes so frustrated. Um, that's why I just love anger management so much, you know, oh, especially like the plane management. scene where, you know, he's trying to get the headphones or whatever. And, you know, I'm not angry, sir, calm down, you know, and eventually he just fucking blows it, dude, and snaps because <laughs> anybody would snap in these situations that he's snapping in and they make it seem like he is doing something wild and insane. And mm. it's like, bro, all of us would react that way, <laughs> react right. that way. So, yeah, I th- yeah. Adam Sandler is Zoe's favorite actor. Interesting. <laughs> But I'm my favorite she hasn't actor. Seen uncut gems? She has not, of course not. <laughs> I cut your arms. She, I'm glad to know what you think about my parenting skills, Zach. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that's why I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I haven't no, seen it myself yet. But Believe I mean, this not. is this is Adam Sandler producing a film that doesn't feel like an Adam Sandler movie, and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I still love Hubie Halloween, though. I liked Hubie Halloween as oh well. And I like a lot of Adam Sandler's dumb comedies. Yeah. I I think it goes hand in hand with what we're talking about. If you're going to Jurassic World, if you're going to Fast and the Furious, Godzilla vs. Kong. If you're walking into an Adam Sandler movie and you're expecting something other than Adam Sandler movies, you're sitting in the wrong film. Yeah. So when people give those movies bad reviews, I'm like, what did you think you were going to watch? Yeah, you're going to watch I, the same thing you watched 20 years ago. And, and I lower my expectations for most Adam Sandler movies. Uh-huh. And some, of, some of them manage to defy lower expectations. Which some is, of them are bad. Some of them are bad. But Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill is horrendous. It is bad. I, and it's I not have, bad because the storyline sucks and there's all these <laughs> things. It's bad because it's just not funny whatsoever. And that's what makes an Adam Sandler movie bad to me. Yeah. Anyway. So okay. with that. What, a, Zach, what an ending. <laughs> what an ending. <laughs> Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching the pilot episode of Boardwalk Empire. Directed oh, by Marty. I'm so fucking excited. Wild. Yeah. I may end up re-watching this whole series. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You can uh, you can actually rent that on Amazon, Google, uh, Hulu, Vudu, YouTube, or of course stream on HBO Max. All right. So with that, rubs hands Trav. like Birdman. Mm. Thank mm. you so much for producing this show. And you're welcome. Anytime I can show up and see Zach looking like Jimmy Snuka and Neil Pert <laughs> while he's rubbing Play-Doh snakes in his fingers. You know what I mean? I'm in it. Yeah, brother. Uh, we like to <laughs> we like thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod on Facebook at the Oscars Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps to make us seen in the almighty algorithm. Could have been a contender. <laughs> no, That's not me. an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Shut up, Dad. <laughs> Before I get on top of this cage and frog splash you. Brada. Four. Trap. Zach and Ellen. Oh, she's so I would like for you all to have a day of planting. 